been watching a lot of war on TV, a lot of uh, war in the Ukraine, and I've probably said it almost every Sunday, it still amazes me um, that it, how it's taking place and what is taking place, but in the Bible, uh, often the word sword in the Old Testament, the New Testament, whenever they, they would take the sword, they would mean war, and Ephesians chapter 6 is setting us up to how that we can stand in the spiritual uh, battle that we are in, our struggle as Christians. And there's two requirements that are needed to win a war. One is courage, and the other is to be well-armed. And don't know what the result in Ukraine will be, but what we're seeing from one side is courage and the world trying to keep them well-armed. We are told in Ephesians 6 to be strong in the Lord. This is not a natural strength. It's not enough. And we know in ourselves this is not natural to us. This is not the way we succeed. We need spiritual strength. And the good news of Ephesians 6 is that it's available. It says, be strong in the Lord. It's the armor of God that has been passed on to us. This is God's, God in Isaiah talks about how God wore the armor and then he's handed it to us. It's, it's passed on to us, but we must, in a sense, put it on or we must activate it into reality as Christians. And, and the way we do that is through faith. In Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he is and that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So how do we know? How do we grow? How do we go forward and stand our ground like we are called to in Ephesians chapter 6? And through all these other pieces of armament, we've now come to the sword. It says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're a soldier, Actually, back then, Roman soldiers, and really in the history of soldiers, swords, the most common weapon that they would use, and it would be the, a sword that would help them succeed. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is 2 Samuel 22, where it talks about David's mighty men, and one of David's mighty men is Shema, and Shema is sent into this lentil field. He's sent to a pea patch to defend it. And he does. And that's what he's known for. He stood in the pea patch and he defended it against all these enemies. They, they didn't send him out there, though, with a helmet, a shield, and a breastplate, and some shoes. He wouldn't have been able to defend it. He clearly defended it with a defensive weapon and an offensive weapon, a sword. And he stood his ground. He stood in the pea patch and he accomplished what he was called to do. And this morning, I want to just encourage you, and I want you to be able to stand in the pea patch that is your life. Whatever pea patch God has placed you in, whatever realm that he has put you in, that's the place that God says for you, he wants you to stand. And how are you going to do that? How are you going to be able to stand in the pea patch wherever God has placed you like Shema, and I want us to be prepared so we will not just stand, but we can push back the enemy. The way we do this is by being prepared with the armor of God, preparing 
for battle, knowing what our weapon is and how to use it properly. Joe Palladino, who was a drill instructor in the army during the time of Vietnam, he will tell you, he said that we, we would have these guys come in, getting drafted, and knowing in weeks we would have to send them out. My number one priority, Joe would say, is to get them prepared so they don't come back dead, so they could stand knowing what they were going to face. So how do we do it? How is, and when it comes to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we need to be clear on what our spiritual weapon is. We need to be confident in what our spiritual weapon is. Weapon is. We need to be competent in it. And we need to be courageous. We need to be clear, confident, competent, and courageous when it comes to the sword of the Spirit or when it comes to the word of God. So we just need to be clear on what Paul is saying when he says, hey, here's the armor that God has given you and take the, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We need to be clear, first of all, on what the sword is. This is the, the metaphor that he's using. He's just using a picture to help show spiritual realities, tr- spiritual truths. And so he uses the picture of the soldier, and he has all the different armaments, all the different uh, pieces of their armor. And he comes to this one. He says, take the sword. The, the, the word that they use, they, the Roman soldiers would have two different types of swords, a real long sword and then a short sword. And the sword, the word that is used for take the sword of the spirit is the idea of this short sword, which every soldier would have had. It would have been either from eight to 12 inches inches long, sometimes 20 inches long. It was a little short sword, a little two-edged sword. It was made for hand-to-hand conflicts. This is what Paul's talking about. We're talking about spiritual difficulties. We're talking about the battles that we face in our little pea patches of life, wherever God has placed us. This is a hand-to-hand combat against the spiritual forces of the enemy. And he says, take this sword, the sword which is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the Scriptures. It's the Bible. We need to be clear on what the sword is. The sword's not the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the, source, the, the sword sourced by the Spirit, which is... God's word, 2 Peter 1, verses 20 through 21 says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who led men with all their different personalities and all their different areas of time and all the different genres of literature, but it, it wasn't from men. The Bible's not from men. It was God moving men along through their natural t- writing abilities, through their natural uh, genres, but it was the Holy Spirit who breathed the word of God. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The sword that he's talking about that we're supposed to take of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's the Bible. And when we read the Bible, when you read Scripture, when you read God's Word, this is God speaking. This is the living Word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, for the Word 
of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from its sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who we must give an account. When you read the Bible... When you, when you open it up, when you hear God's word, it, this is God speaking. This is the sword that we have. The sword that is sourced by the Holy Spirit who spoke it, that is the living word of God as we read it and as we hear it. This is God speaking. The Bible is God speaking. And what he's speaking through Scripture is this overarching story. It's the reality of one true story. The Bible's got 66 books written over 1,500 years by dozens of different authors, but all of them speak one story. It's the story of God for us. It sees us. It understands who man is. It understands our problems. It understands our needs, and it gives to us the answer to all the issues of life through Jesus Christ. This is how God speaks to us over and over again. And, and, and it, the Bible refers to itself as the sword. That's how it was recognized. Old Testament writers referenced what they wrote as the Word of God over 3,000 times when they wrote Scripture. And the New Testament, the authors referenced what they wrote and said as the Word of God over 300 times. We have to be clear when it says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, what is it talking about? It's talking about Scripture. It's talking about the the Word of God. It's talking about the Bible. This is what we have. We want to be able to stand in that and be confident in that, so we have to be clear on what it is. One of the most amazing things about this war in Ukraine, even six weeks before it started, was uh, stories that were coming out, but just people all over Ukraine who knew Russia was building up along the edges, and women, children, men who'd never fought in the military were getting together and gathering in the middle of the streets of the cities and learning how to use the weapons. They were showing them how to use them. They were preparing them for battle. And if they were going to do that, and they brought out the weapons, they had to be very clear that this is the real thing. Here's what you're supposed to use. Be very clear on what it is that's going to help you. And then the second thing is they would show them, they said, hey, now you need to be very confident that this is going to help you. You're not going to stay and learn how to fight. You're not going to learn to stand if you say, oh, that, that's what you're giving me? I don't think that weapon, that Nerf gun's not going to do it for me. I think I will leave. We, we need to be confident in our weapon that's going to help us spiritually. And when to do that, you have to have a, a right approach to Scripture. We have to come to the Bible humbly. It's a big book. There's a lot of words but it's the Bible, God says it's his breathed out words. It's everything that he wants us to know, to be able to stand. And he's given us everything that we need to know. And it's without error. And so we need to come to the Bible with a right approach and be confident. We need to come to it with a sense of humility, a sense of faith. We have to believe it. In Hebrews chapter 4, it's talking about Verse 2, talking about the, the, the children of Israel who were wandering around in the wilderness. It says, For good news came to us, just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. 
which means that they heard truth, they heard God's word, they, they heard what would benefit them, but they didn't have faith, and so it, it, it didn't help them. You can read your Bible every day, and if you don't have faith that it is confidently the word of God, it's not going to help you. You can show up and hear all kinds of sermons, but there, we have to have this humility that this is God's word. Be confident about its truth because it is extremely Powerful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How do we do that? How do we take the spiritual, powerful weapon? It's by, by believing humbly that this is the sword of the Spirit. This is what God has given us to defend ourselves against these attacks. We, we take it seriously. We come to the Bible humbly because the Bible declares itself to be true. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is true. And what it says and what it affirms is true. No matter what the culture says, no matter what the times say, what the Bible says is true. Psalms 12 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace. We have to be, come to the Bible confidently with this right approach that it is truth. It is everything that God would want us to know. It, it, it declares itself to be truth. Jesus declared the Bible to be true. All the Bible is about Jesus. He even said that at the end in Luke chapter 24 when he's walking on the road to Emmaus and the, the people come and they, they don't know what's going on, how, how Jesus did not know that he had been, that a man, Jesus had been crucified. They, they found it amazing and then Jesus shares with them. He says from the Old Testament to the prophets to the Psalms, how it all talks about him. And Jesus himself declared scriptures to be true. In John 10, he says, the scriptures cannot be broken. We can have absolute confidence in the, right, in the word of God. We have to be confident in it. We have to come to it in faith, humbly believing. We have to have this right approach, and we have to have this right attitude. Because you come to the Bible, you come to these scriptures, these 2,000-year-old texts are longer than that, older than that, and, and you read these things, and there's things that we see and things that we read that we don't understand, and often there's things that we may not even like. But we have to humbly submit ourselves under the word of God. There's a man named Ray Galea who's an author, and he said this. In his early 20s, he was an atheist, didn't believe the Bible. He started to read the Bible, and he says, when I first began to read the Bible with an open mind as a young adult, I discovered that God and Ray Galea thought very differently on a lot of issues, and one of us would have to change. And the one of us who has to change is us. God's word does not need to change. It is the absolute, infallible word of God. It's truth. It is ultimate and total truth. Martin Luther said this about the Bible. It says, it has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays 
hold of me. And this is some of the relationship that some of you may have with the Bible. You, you read it and you're like, I, I, don't, I just don't see how that can be true. How could God allow this to happen? How could God say these things? How can God expect these things? And it just, it just feels like it's hard. Somebody's going to have to change. That's why we have to come to the Bible and live under the Bible, live humbly under it. And it has feet. Let it come and run after you. Let it have hands and lay hold of you. And let it change, but have the confidence in it. Nobody was more confident in Scripture than Jesus. Nobody more masterfully used the sword of the Spirit better than Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 4, after the height of his coming out into his ministry, being baptized, he gets sent into the wilderness for 40 days. And in that moment, he hadn't eaten, he hadn't slept much, he'd been out in the wilderness, hot, dry, he was 100% God, 100% human. Satan comes to him and tempts him. And every time Jesus takes the sword of the Spirit, when Satan says, quotes Scripture, Jesus comes back and he quotes Scripture, and he quotes Scripture, and Satan has to flee from him. Jesus was absolutely confident in the word of God, and he, he, he skillfully used it. We need to be clear that the sword of the Spirit is Scripture. It's the word of God. It's the Bible. We have to be confident that it's true, and this is what will help us in life through all the difficulties, all the things that we don't understand, all the confusions, all the questions that we have when we come to the text of Scripture but we have to let God grip us. Let Scripture change us. You can't make that happen. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make that happen in you, that He will wake up Scripture to you, that He will do it for us. We can be confident, but then once you get the weapon, you got to be competent in how to handle it. I mean, the Bible is powerful. This is why even today it gets misused and quoted in places it shouldn't be quoted by powerful people to try to make a point. Even this weekend, Putin in Russia, in his massive speech to his nation, he quotes Scripture of all things. Of all the great literature in the world, what he pulls out for his point is passages of Scripture. The Bible's powerful, and people know it. In 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 15, the Bible says that to, the, the, the Word of God is it's powerful for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. That from his, Timothy's childhood, he heard about how powerful the Word of God is, and it's powerful for salvation. It's extremely powerful. We have to be very competent in how we handle the Bible. We, we, we need to be competent in it. About 300 years ago, an old Christian writer said this, it's absurd to think of being a Christian without knowledge of the Word of God and some skill to use the weapon. That was almost 300 years ago. People haven't changed that much. And it should still be absurd to us if you're a Christian to say, I'm a Christian, but I don't have much interest in the Bible. I'm a Christian, but I'm just not that into it. It should be absurd to a Christian 
that he would not have knowledge of the Word of God and some skill in how to use it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has, not, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of truth. Because it can be handled poorly. It can be handled incorrectly. So we need to be competent. How are we supposed to handle Scripture when we're supposed to be able to present ourselves to God as one approved who doesn't need to be ashamed and can rightly handle the Word of God? As we think about being competent in handling the Bible, we need to just pause to consider the privilege it is even to have Scriptures. That we can pop up scripture and on any apparatus that we have. Phone, computer, it's everywhere. It's not always been this way for the world. It's not even always been this way for people in the last hundred years. And the Eastern Bloc countries before World War II, during World War II, and the Iron Curtain was in place, people could not get scriptures. There was a man named Brother Andrew who would drive into the Iron Curtain back in those days and smuggle scriptures and stick them in all kinds of places, pray that the guards wouldn't see, and miraculously, many times, they would just let him through, and he'd get all these scriptures to places that never had them. He was in Yugoslavia one time, and he was in this church. He was Dutch, and he was in Yugoslavia trying to sneak Bibles, and they could not have any scriptures anywhere. People were coming to church, he said, with just little booklets or leafless, leaf note papers, and he didn't know why, what was going on with all these loose-leaf papers. And they'd get up to have the service, and the pastor would say the passage, and all the people with the papers would hold them up above their heads. And anybody who didn't have scriptures would stand on their tippy-toes, he said, looking to try to read the scriptures, because they did not have it a copy in themselves. It's a privilege for us to have in our hands the unbelievable access to the Word of God, and then we can become competent in handling it. J.B. Phillips, in his translation of 2 Timothy 3.16, says, All Scripture is useful for resetting the direction of a man's life. We need to know how to be competent so we stay on the right course. So how do you become competent in the Word of God? First, you just start. Some of you may, may, may read the Bible once a week, maybe three times a week. And sometimes you just need to start again. Or you used to read the Bible regularly. We, we just need to start and stay at it. You know, like it's hard to read the Bible. It is hard. It's not the easiest book to read. Even the Apostle Peter said that about Paul's writing. He says there's some of the things that Paul's writing are hard to understand. So we can be encouraged by that, but to be competent in Scripture, we have to start and we have to stay in it. We just need to acknowledge our need. If we struggle with Scripture, just say, you know what, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to read Scripture or to hear Scripture. Just acknowledge your need to God. Psalm 119.9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. So clearly, young men and young women and old men and old women, we need help to keep our way directed correct, correctly. So we just can ask for it. Psalms 119, 
106 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is what helps us stay in the direction that we're called. This is what the Bible says about itself. This is the lamp. Here's what you need. This is the light that we need. If we're very confused and you haven't looked at Scripture in a while, you shouldn't be surprised if you're a Christian because you're missing out on the light that we have. So we acknowledge our need. You can just ask for help. If you go to read the Bible, Psalm 119, 18 says this. It's a great little prayer. It says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. You want to read the Bible. You know you should. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to flip the book open. Some of the hardest things with reading the Bible is to push the button on your phone to let it play to you. In those moments, it's spiritual war. There's a real enemy that's just like, no, it's not going to do anything for you this time. You've read it before. There's nothing new in there. It's dry. It's boring. The hardest thing is just to start and to stay. Leave your Bible open. It might be easier to read it. Ask for help. Ask God before you read it. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. Then act on it. Act on the help that you receive. Second, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, the, the, the people in Thessalonica, they, they took what they heard as the word of God and they acted on it. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, blessed or Happy, really, is what the word blessed means. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It's been a long time since I felt blessed or happy. It could be because you put your sword down. You're not competent in how to handle it. You're not into the word. Just start there. Just say, you know what, I'm going to read Psalms 119 this week. It's all about the word of God. Just, I want to be competent. Ask God to say, I need help in this. I need to read. Ask him to help you. Ask him before you read it. And then ask him to not just receive it, hear it, teach us, show you what he's talking about. We need to be competent. You got to know and be very clear what the weapon is. It's the word of God. You gotta be confident that the word of God is truth and that's what is gonna help us in life. And we need to be competent and how we handle it. And there's a lot more we could say about that, but just that might help some. But in that, we just then need to be courageous in how we use it. H- how do we become courageous? You can train people all day long on how to use a weapon until they get into the war. Are they actually going to use it? Are they going to go run, hide, and drop it? We are called in Ephesians 6 to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, into the war and stand in the pea patch of your life and stand and defend what God has called you to defend. And it is a defensive and it's an offensive weapon. It's the only offensive weapon of the armor of God. We need to be courageous in how we do that. How do we, are we to be courageous in that? Structure your life. Listen, structure your life to get the most saturation of Scripture you can get. In this day and age, that thought is courageous. That someone would say to you, you're going to church after 88 hours of of work that week? You're going to go hear the Word of God? 
After all you've been through with your, your situation, you're still going to go open your Bible and read it? As a Christian, we say, yes, we're going to structure your lives to get the most saturation you can. You say, I don't have a lot of time to read the Bible. You know that um, that's true. We, we don't have a lot of time. Many people are extremely busy. But there was a study done that most people spend 11 hours a day on social media. Even at work, you're scrolling through your phone. And television time in America, the average person spends 77 days of their year watching TV. Don't lie to yourself that you don't have time to read the Word of God and to become confident in it. The Bible says, you say, I don't have any desire for it. As a Christian, you would, and if you want to grow in that desire, Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. It may be dry at dust at first, but if you come to it saying, God, help me. It's been a long time. I want to hear from you. I'm just going to keep coming back till I hear from you. The Holy Spirit's going to build faith in your life, and you'll desire more for Christ. Structure your life to get the most saturation, not the least What's the most saturation of Scripture you can be? Be courageous. Be courageous by speaking the Scriptures into, about, towards all the situations of your life. In Ephesians chapter 6, when he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, he, he, he uses a word that is about, that there's two words that they mean the, the same as the word of God, but one's spoken. In this passage, he's using the word that's spoken. In a sense, we take the sword of the Spirit and we speak it against all the attacks of the, the evil one. When our troubles come, when our tri- trials come, when our temptations come, do you know scriptures? You have verses of scripture you say, no, this is not true. Here's what's true. And quote that or go to that or read that. Where you're speaking the scriptures in about towards all the situations of your life because the scriptures cover all the situations of your life. Find some scriptures, write them down, memorize them. So when the troubles come, when the temptation that is so easily sways you, you can stand up and say, no, here's what the God's word says and speak the truth of the word. Structure your life, speak, and then share the scriptures. Speak them. Some of you could be at work and maybe find one other person that you could read scripture with. Or start a group, hey, and say for 15 minutes, we're going to read the Bible, pray, and we're going to keep going. This is courageous. Share scriptures with other people. As you study scripture with other people, what you share, you're going to remember, and you're going to grow in more. Colossians 3.18 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Structure your life, speak it, share it. Let it dwell richly in your life. Be courageous in it. I love courageous people. On March 1st, Brooklyn Salisbury died. She'd been suffering with a horrific disease. And towards the end of her life, she, I, I just found out about her in the end of January, and she'd, on Facebook, put this page called Brooklyn's Journey Home. And she knew back in December that she was gonna be put on hospice January 17th of this year, and she knew that she was gonna die by the end of February. And she died March 1st 
of this month. And you can go and look at her story and see her love for Christ, see the wisdom that God gave her at 25 years of age. And on January 28th of this year, in her little post, talking about her journey home, talking about death, her faith in Christ, what the Word of God means to her, she wrote this. She said, how to, how to learn about God. I'm just going to let Brooklyn speak. She goes, ah, the Holy Bible. It seems like it would be easy to open it up, give it a peek, and understand everything you read. But nay, a question I'm always often asked is, how do I study my Bible? She also loved bacon, by the way. She goes, I'm not an expert on this. I never will be. The more I learn, the less I know. But I'll share five tips I've learned over the years. I'm just a simpleton with access to the good book and metaphors about bacon. Yes, bacon. Tip one, read every day. More than 15 minutes. Spiritual matters are more important <clears throat> than physical. Bible times satisfies our soul like food satisfies our belly. The Bible is like bacon, but better. Tip two, consult the Spirit. For the believer, we have God living inside of us. It's important to pray that the Holy Spirit helps us understand what we read. The Spirit is the skillet to our bacon. Tip three, consult commentaries. If we're confused over a text or want to dive deeper into history and meaning, commentaries come in handy. Desiring God, blue letter Bible are all great resources. Commentaries are like knowing how to cook that bacon. Tip four, consult mature believers. If you're a simpleton like me, asking a mature Christian is the thing to do. Find a church. A church is the touch of pepper of your bacon in your skillet. Tip five, read more scripture than commentaries, devotionals, and insights. From spiritual leaders are great, but we need to make sure we are consuming as much, if not more, scripture. We just can't live on the knowledge of how to cook the bacon. We need to consume the bacon. So there are my five tips, bringing home the bacon. Brooklyn died March 1st, very courageously, very competently, knowing how to use Scripture. And she well used the sword well. But you're not dead. Tom Brady retired for 40 days. And he came back this week and he said this, my place is still on the field. And as a Christian, if you're in Christ, you have the armor of God, and he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and your place is still in the field. Go stand in the pea patch of your life, saturated with the Word of God, and you'll have joy, you'll have hope, and you'll have a peace like Brooklyn's. Start, stay, and stand, and let Christ be exalted. Let's pray.